Thank you for coming out on this kind of uh, depressing, yucky-looking day out there. Hopefully you will leave here encouraged, no matter what happens at 4 o'clock. We have hope in the Lord. Uh, last week, Pastor Jeff started off our countdown to Christmas. This uh, theme that we're doing this year is about worship, and uh, he gave an introduction last week, and the way I would boil down what he said was, um, we worship God because he's worthy. He is because of who he is, the only right response, really, is worship. And the Christmas story is full of worship, whether you're looking at Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, angels, shepherds, wise men, everybody is worshiping God in one way or another in the Christmas story. So we're looking at the worship that happens in the Christmas story. And uh, we're going to kind of shift today from, from last week focusing on who God is, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, all the great stuff he is, and his character, and why, why he's so worthy of worship. We're going to shift from that to taking a little bit of a look inside of ourselves today and talk about, in Mary's story, how does worship happen inside of us? And it's very important for us to understand this. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. So if you want to find that, Luke is the gospel that gives us most of the Christmas story details compared to the other gospels. And in Luke chapter 1, the chapter starts off with this section about uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy, which I always wondered... Why confuse the matter? Aren't we talking about Mary and Joseph here? Why do, why do we have this whole other pregnancy story? But hey, give God a break. He, he, he had thousands of years to wait to unveil his son to the world. And if he wants to have a special guy named John the Baptist born just to announce the birth of his son and the ministry of his son, he can do that. So the first 25 verses of, of Luke, you'll see stuff about Elizabeth miraculously getting pregnant in her old age to bring forth John the Baptist, who will announce Jesus years later um, before his ministry starts. But we're going to start reading at verse 26 when Mary's story takes place. And uh, it refers to what we just skipped over, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. That's a nice greeting, right? Greetings, highly favored, Lord is with you. But for some reason, in verse 29, we read, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And I looked 
I looked that word up greatly troubled because sometimes when you read these things, you put on your religious voice, you know, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered. Like, you don't catch any sense of, ah! That's more what this could have been translated at, but they, they couldn't figure out how to spell that. So they wrote greatly troubled. The actual Greek word, diatarasso, tarasso, stirred up, dia, a lot. It's not just, she's not just stirred up inside. She's really stirred up inside. She's freaking out, basically, is the word I would probably use to translate this. So why does she freak out when, you know, if it was just... She freaked out because an angel appeared to her? Yeah, I get that. But it doesn't say that's why she freaked out. It says she was troubled at his words. Favor? Greetings? The Lord's with you? Like, why be troubled by that? What kind of greeting? She wondered what kind of greeting this was. I think she was, do you think, I don't know, this is just speculation. I think if you think about her situation, back in the Roman Empire. See, we've had four years, roughly, of stuff that makes us feel yucky about the world we live in. Uh, she's, she's um, her whole life, been under the Roman government, killing people left and right, and oppressing people, and taking all their money and stuff. And, and so it was, it was governmentally-wise, she was in a way worse situation than we were. And her people had not only endured this for like four years or whatever, they, 400 years, they hadn't heard anything from God at all. And if you go back in the history before that, it wasn't all that much better. You have to go way back to, to King David when they actually had a, a good thing happen in their country. She's, she's had this big history of horrible stuff happening in her country and all her life, she's been under this oppression. So, I don't know, I just have to speculate. But I think, I think she is jaded, maybe it would be a word. Like, doesn't trust anybody. So when the angel says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord's with you. What do you mean by that? She's, she's guarded. She's not feeling open to this. She's very troubled. Don't greet me like that. What's this all about? She must have had something happen to her that was negative. Feels like she has this post-traumatic stress uh, reaction or something. You greeted me. <laughs> what was that about? Angel understands. He says in verse 30, Angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. He understands her issue is fear. And then he basically repeats what he just said. Let me say this again. Uh, you found favor with God? That's, I mean, like, that's a good thing. Verse 31, you'll conceive, give birth to a son, you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great, will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Remember the last, like, the last really good thing that happened in your country a thousand years ago or whatever? It's good. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So she, she hears this good news, and 
maybe hearing it again and hearing his reassurance to not be afraid, it seems to calm her fears uh, because it doesn't say she's still greatly stirred up inside. But it does seem as though she's still kind of doubtful or confused because she says in verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And so now the angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. So he, he reassures her emotions, and now he's reassuring her, her thought process about this. Okay, this is how it is. Remember, God is powerful. Remember, God can do whatever he wants to do. Remember? Okay, and, and in verse 38, Mary says, Okay. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. So then she goes to visit her relative, Elizabeth. And we don't need to read all of that, but, uh, but it's very encouraging because she gets confirmation from Elizabeth. Like, yes, an angel did appear to me. Yes, yes, yeah, that was real. And yes, you are going to bear the, the Messiah. yes. And so she gets encouraged uh, by her visit there. And then she writes in verse 46, uh, well, it's, a, it's called Mary's Song, and it just simply says Mary said. It doesn't say she sang this, but um, this, can be a, this can be a declaration out loud type of thing, or it can even be a, a written thing. So I don't know if she wrote this in her, in her journal or if she started shouting this out loud. I'm not sure. But it says in verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And she begins a song of worship. So, in some translations, you'll find it say, this, this, My soul magnifies the Lord. And I think that that word is closer to the original, because in Greek, the word is, and I love this word, I, love, I just want to say it because it's fun, megaluno, megaluno, Don't, and, and mega, uh, you've heard that one before, right? Mega means big, and megaluno means make it bigger, so let's like supersize it, right? I don't want the little one, I, want, I don't even want the super big gulp, I want the mega, so it's megaluno, big. My soul glorifies the Lord. Now, how does this work? Since God is already big and you can't make him any bigger, we sang about it a few minutes ago. I've made you too small in my eyes. My soul, in my, in my thoughts, in my emotions, I have allowed fear to be this big, huge thing. Or I have allowed doubts and questions and confusion to be this big, huge thing. And right now what's happening is in relation to God, as I think more about God and all the things he can do and all his power and who he really is, those things, those fears, those confusions, those doubts, all that stuff is shrinking. And I'm starting to see how big God really is. That's what's happening in her soul. 
And then it says in verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And I love this word rejoices because it actually means, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it actually means jumping like, jumping up and down like crazy. It's basically what this means. Okay, so my soul is starting to really see how big God is. And my spirit is jumping up and down like crazy. So um, I thought that was really cool. But one of the things that I never knew, and I just learned this a couple of months ago when I was reading about it. In, if you go in the, the verbs here, it sounds, in this, in this translation, it sounds like my spirit and soul are both doing this all at the same time. Soul glorifies, spirit rejoices. But if you really look at it, soul glorifies is present tense. It's happening right now. He's getting bigger and bigger in my mind, in my thoughts, in my emotions. I'm starting to see how big, like right now, it's happening right now. But the other one, my spirit rejoices. It actually could have been translated, and some Bibles reflect this, um, my spirit has rejoiced. There's a past tense, and it's the, it's the heirs tense where, where it's kind of like, yes, it's kind of like past tense, but it also could be continuing right now still. So, so when you put that together, you start to see that her spirit was jumping up and down inside her before her soul started to magnify the Lord. And that is a super, super important thing to know about when it comes to worship. I'm going to put, the, put this little chart on the, on the screen because this is how I think of it. This is, this is helpful to my brain to think of it this way. This is a diagram of what we're made out of, right? We have a, a body in the dark circle on the outside. Our body will someday die, right? But what will still be left after our body dies, we have a soul and a spirit. And those things will go on forever. Did you ever go to a, a wake or a funeral and see somebody's body in the casket and look at it and say, they're not here anymore. They're there. That, that's their body, but that's not them. Did you ever feel that? You're seeing a body without a soul or spirit in it anymore. And that soul or spirit is what gives it that personality. That's who it really is, you know. So the body is one layer of who we are but it's an expendable layer, really. And we need to keep that in mind when we're feeling old or feeling tired or feeling sick or battling things. There is more to us than the body. In all the three blue layers are the layers of the soul, I'll call it. And we watched in this passage we just read, we watched the angel kind of gently work through these layers with Mary, the emotional layer. I'm freaking out right now. I'm afraid. See, those are emotions, right? And he reassured her, do not be afraid. God is with you. And he touched her in the emotional area. And then her mind had doubts, right? How's this going to be? Because I'm, I'm a virgin. I don't get this. 
And he talked through it, her mind. He said, remember who God is. Think about who God is. He can do anything he wants to. Even Elizabeth is going to be pregnant right now. It's like when we start to think about who he is, something happens, right? But that last layer of the soul is called the will. That is where your yes or no comes in. The picture in my mind, a picture of the will is kind of like this. Nope, ain't doing it. Or, yes, which one is worship? It's no accident that he asked us to do this because it, it's, a, it's a graphic representation of opening our will. And it's so beautiful that, that God worked with her, worked, helped her work through the emotions and the thoughts to get to that point where she was really, really ready to say, yes, Lord, let's do this in her will. But that center, that white circle at the center is our spirit. And you've heard maybe it said that there's a God-shaped void in our hearts. That's what this is. There's a, there's a place inside us that is dead without God. I, a few weeks ago, I compared it to an unlit candle. There's a place inside us that's dead, and it just, it's designed for God to live there. And nothing else you ever put in there is ever going to make it feel alive. Only God can fill your spirit. Only the Spirit of God can fill your spirit. And bring life there. And that's how you were designed. The enemy is always from the outside in trying to attack us. He can't get to our spirit unless we let him. He's attacking our body. A lot of people go down right there. Okay. The enemy controls you because you're on drugs. Your body wants it, right? Or food, or alcohol, or cigarettes, vaping, whatever it is, sex, all the physical stuff. The enemy controls so many people simply at that outer layer, and he never even has to go any deeper than that. But also think about how, how many attacks of the enemy are emotional or mental in nature the battlefield of the mind, the thoughts, the lies that he speaks to you, the emotions, the fears, the doubts, all this stuff. That's where so much of our, as Christians, so much of our spiritual warfare takes place there. The enemy is trying to get all the way into our spirit because then he can possess us. But we are designed to be God's possession and God is at the same time wanting to get to our spirit as well, so that he can live in us. And when we ask Jesus into our hearts, as we call it, the Holy Spirit comes into that white circle there. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside that void deep inside of us, comes to live inside our spirit. And what's awesome about this, I think of it as a, as a fountain, this could be the top view from above of a fountain. And that white part is where the 
stuff shoots up. And uh, Jesus said it in uh, John 7, 38. He said, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. When we ask Jesus into our hearts and he lives in us by his spirit, something is bubbling up inside us, wanting to come out. And it's, and it's joy and it's love and it's peace and it's worship and it's all good stuff. But we have a will that has to cooperate with that. We have a mind that has to cooperate with that. We have emotions and a body that has to cooperate with that. And I want to show you this quick little video. I showed the kids this last week because we were talking about this. It's so uh, such a good comparison, I think, to compare our spirit and our soul and how that works to Tigger and Eeyore. So I want you to watch this clip and, and this picture the Tigger Bouncing up and down all the time, right? Remember, Mary, my spirit is jumping up and down inside of me. That's the word she used. But her soul had lots of doubts and fears. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's the Eeyore thing. So her spirit was trying to convince her soul to worship God. So let's see Tigger and Eeyore in action here. Think of how this works in your heart. Winnie the Pooh and his friends have had many fine adventures, but there have been very few like the one that you're about to see right now. On this particular day, Tigger and Eeyore were busy with a plan to capture a mysterious creature called the Baxen, when Tigger had the idea that having two of him would be far better than just one. Whew, buddy, if you're going to pounce, you got to have some bounce. We just need to get you Tiggerized. Gonna fix you up. By the time we're through, I'll be Tigger 1, you'll be Tigger 2. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Gonna be two pals hunting in the woods. And to show that back then we got the goods. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Well, oh, stop sure. that gloomy rumination. All you need is a little bit of Tiggerization. Why wait? Don't you see? It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great! Well, you're looking great, Tigger, too. Now, when you learn to bounce, you should take it slow. So I want you to keep your bounces low. It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great! If you hit a bush or a tree, you'll fall. So do your best to avoid them all. It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great! It's gonna be great! A perfect bounce will make you feel alive. Just go from a squat into a headlong dive. Ow, ow, ow. You're getting it now. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. That's what happened uh, to David when he wrote Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, or all my innermost being, praise his holy name. He had to tell his spirit was excited about worship. And I want you to know that. If you've accepted Jesus into your heart, your spirit 24-7 is excited to pray, excited to worship, excited to read God's word, excited to be with God's people, excited to be in God's presence. Your spirit has that 
bounce to it. And I, I literally remember this. When I was nine years old, my friend uh, told me the, the prayer that he learned in church. And I hadn't heard it before. It was a prayer to accept Jesus into your heart. And I said that prayer, and I totally remember this still, nine years old. I literally was jumping up and down. I felt so happy and excited to have Jesus in my heart. And, and then I had to go play Nerf football. But, um, and I forgot about it after that. But I was excited initially. Um, and I could feel that joy. And this is what David is talking about in Psalm 103. When he tells his soul, he tells his will, he tells his mind, he tells his emotions. Okay, I know you're afraid. I know you're depressed. I know you have doubts. I know you have fears. I know you don't get it. I know you're not on board here, Eeyore. But come on, bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And we need to understand this as believers that every day you come into church or every day you wake up, you're never going to feel like worshiping God. Your soul, your body, probably never going to feel it. Don't wait till you feel it because you probably never will. You're just going to be a Eeyore all day long. You have to tell your soul, bless the Lord. And, and you have to do what we talked about, uh, what Josh talked about in worship. Yes, I will. And this is all over the Psalms. I will worship. I will praise. I will sing. I will exalt him. I will lift my hands. I will dance. All this stuff. It's full of it in the Psalms because we have to do this. They knew it. For some reason, we don't, we don't get it. You have to tell yourself to do this stuff because you don't, part of you doesn't want to. Jesus said, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? The spirit is always bouncing, ready to worship, and your flesh is never going to want to. So you need to know that about me, about Pastor Jeff, every, all of us. We, we don't come in here like Tigger every, every Sunday. We have to tell ourselves, okay, we're going to do this because he is worthy. We're going to do this. And we think through it. Yes, he's worthy. Yes, he's holy. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. Sometimes you can convince, it, convince your mind to start worshiping him. Sometimes you can convince your soul to start worshiping him just by thinking about him. And that's, that's why we use music. Music is very connecting with emotions. So that can help get your emotions on board with worshiping him, the words of the songs, if you, if you really think about the words, that can get your mind tuned in to worshiping him. And, and there's worship gestures that, that God has given us, such as clapping hands and lifting hands and all this stuff. And that's, that's to get your body involved in worshiping him. Because remember it says, to love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Everything you got should get on board with worshiping him. But it starts in the spirit. And I want you to know that that, that, that little diagram we saw up there, the, the will was the thing that, that the spirit had to get through to get to the rest of who you are. Your will can say no. Your will has to say, yes, I will. I will worship him. I choose to worship him. I choose to praise him. 
And that's what we have to do every day when it comes to worship. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And we're going to end today by giving us a few more minutes to, to choose to worship him. I don't know if you already did this earlier or not, but maybe the information I just gave you will help you enter in at a deeper level to worshiping him. You have a fountain of worship inside you, and your will is the valve that lets the worship out. You have to decide, yes, I will.
You are so great, and Lord, our hearts cry out to you. Lord, help us this week not just be those that are, uh, like Scott said, that, Lord, even if, if it's not even here in worship, Lord, let us worship you. Let our hearts, Lord, let it, would you stir us up this week? Even when we're hearing Christmas songs, let us worship and praise you. Even when we're doing our jobs, let us worship and praise you. Because I can tell you for a fact, Lord, it is hard sometimes to worship in the little things, in the mundane things, in the annoying things. But Lord, let us have this. Let us carry this out this week. Help us, Lord. Help us be able to die to ourselves, to be able to get past that will and get into our, our spirit being. Lord, you are awesome and amazing, and it will go out. Lord, we pray it doesn't even just go out to our physical bodies, but it goes out to all those around us that they will be uh, sensing your presence, Lord, that they will feel the love of God in their lives as well. Let, us, let our worship be an honor to you. Let it be a sacrifice. Let it be something for you to use for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great week in the Lord. If you need prayer for anything, we have prayer people up front that will be available after the service here. Don't leave if you need prayer and also have an awesome week in the Lord.